0: Yeah, I just got catapulted while asleep into the side of the, the cabin and just smashed my head first, you know, but kind of lucky it wasn't in my mouth, you know, so... And then I got... Basically, the boat was mid capsized by the time I woke up, you know what I mean? And it, it turns over pretty really quickly, well, it was complete pandemonium, because like there's, cause there's a little hole in the bottom of the boat for the water, the water maker, so there was water coming in, the books and all. I had, like, uh, there's netting, you know, that was full of stuff that was valuable every day yeah. so that was all over me the bed and then the blood and I was just like what the fuck just happened like um but uh kind of processed that really quickly like and stopped the bleeding and then got out on deck and readied everything and then, yeah six hours later then went over again while out on deck like and that was the craziest thing ever
1: Hello and welcome to episode number 13 of For fit Sake, the podcast brought to you by FS Gyms. Rory McInerney here, joined as always by Kieran Ruddick. And today we're going to have Damien Brown in with us for an interview on mental toughness and his experience with the transatlantic row and the whole way throughout his professional rugby career, some of the other ultra-endurance events that he's taken on. Before we get stuck into that, happy Easter, Ruds.
2: Happy Easter, hey uh, Any Easter eggs? No Easter eggs, but I had a, an amazing steak on Saturday night, myself and Sarah had a voucher from Christmas. We went out and used in FX Buckley and had uh, the cop, the buff. Oh, whatever. nice.
1: That's a serious lump of meat. Oh, the yeah. game changer. FX Buckley's got a lot of plugs on this. We should get onto them. Uh, yeah. The, any any other little treats with it, Rudds? Come on, did you treat yourself a little bit? Everyone wants to know.
2: Um, Any chips with steak? I had some chips with did steak. Did you? Yeah. Wow. I had
1: a beer. It was delightful. Nice. Peroni? Yeah. Corona? Uh, corona? Corona. Fantastic. Fair play, Rudds. Enjoying your Easter. Uh, yeah. I That's had some good. donuts. Uh, I was down in Clare Village on... Uh, Saturday, trying to get stuff for the wedding. I had to do this little like, donut stand. I had three donuts with some chocolate drizzle on top of them. It was terrific. Jeez. Uh, yeah, right, it was good. Go no, I went for it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You're almost up in the six donut territory from the challenge. From your challenge. You yeah. Six of those donuts. Yeah. <laughs> um, very good. i uh, really looking forward to having the interview with Damien. I can't wait to play that for everybody. Um, just a crazy, interesting guy. What's your experience with Damien? Um, Obviously, I was in Leinster Academy when
2: Damien was playing with Leinster, um, and I have always found him to be awesome. So for me as a young lad coming up, I uh, played the same position as him, and he was so, so nice to me uh, the whole time, uh, giving me lots of hints, giving me lots of tips, lots of encouragement, um, and just generally really, really, really sound. Uh, good player as well, really big, really physical, really tough. Um and then finished playing then and just kind of kept in touch Uh and did an Irish rowing championships with him. Um, And that was a humbling
1: experience <laughs> next to the big man. Did uh, you guys just bump into each other at that or was that planned or you'd been in touch beforehand?
2: No, at the time I was doing a lot of rowing. So I was putting up um on Instagram and uh Twitter just t- times and kind of posting on that. And then a few people getting on to me just Kind of going, Oh, you should maybe think about this. And then, um, Damien messaged me and he goes, I'm actually entered in the Irish rowing championships. You should do it as well. So that kind of spurred me on to do it. And then I signed up and went down and uh, had a go with him. And yeah, it was, it was really, really good. But, um, just even chatting to him at that. Some, we'll touch on it in the podcast, but like a really,
1: really humble, hardworking and hugely inspiring guy. Yeah, just an awesome guy. So we won't delay, we're gonna roll the footage. We hope you guys enjoy the interview. So Damien, thanks a million for joining us on the podcast. Um how's it all going since you got
0: back? Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um yeah, going good. I literally only arrived yesterday, so it's been um it's been kind of um just kind of getting back into Irish weather and trying to see some friends while I'm here in Dublin. So it's been it's been quite uh yeah, quite casual to be honest with you
1: lovely weather to come back to as well Uh, where would you come straight back from where were you until now
0: well I actually came from Toronto so it was quite quite similar to this but uh, before that I was in the Caribbean for um, four weeks just travelling around um, after the row so I kind of went from Antigua to San Lucia to Dominica Trinidad Um, I kind of I think I got to six countries in total but I I turned up to New York uh, in a pair of shorts and t-shirts and it was like minus two. (laughs) And you know, everyone knows the way the wind blows in New York, man. I was absolutely fucking bothered. (laughs) (laughs) I was walking around to Jamaica... freezing waiting for a train that would never come man and people were just looking at me very very strangely for a man who
1: puts a lot of preparation into his challenges and everything that's probably poor prep not checking the weather in New York coming from
0: the Caribbean (laughs) exactly yeah well it was kind of I knew what was going to happen like but I was like I'll just get clothes when I get there but you know it's like the best laid plans of mice and men it never works out as well as you think yeah so you're running around kind of Trying to go to Macy's ASAP when you get there, but uh, yeah.
1: What did you think of? Uh, I, I spent six months in Trinidad uh, coaching rugby over there as oh, a development right. officer. It was my kind of first job out of college. Uh, cool country.
0: Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I spent two days in Port of Spain and then went to Tobago. Uh, Tobago is obviously much more Caribbean like yeah. than Trinidad. Trinidad is like it was a big more like Venezuela, kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, it was quite different to what I. You know, what I'd seen before that as well, you know, very, which were very kind of classic Caribbean countries, you yeah. know, and then you go to, it's a big, you know, better than I do, it's a, you know, it's a big place, a million and a half people, you know, it's, uh, and they don't have any kind of um tourism based infrastructure. So it's it was quite different to what else I saw but yeah it's good crack they like to they like to enjoy themselves they do yeah.
1: when I was there there was a few days before I went there was a state of emergency declared and a curfew uh, like the week before I went so I was kind of going over the fellow who'd organized for us to go was like lads uh, there's curfew state of emergency you gotta be off the streets by 11 or you'll be shot blah 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 and (laughs) I was kind of going right do I still want to go and he's like that's the best crack. We had a, we had one in 1984 and it was the best three months ever. So I adore <laughs> it was just, everyone loves partying over there. So it's you know, yeah, kind of work right. from like eight o'clock till, till 12, one, and then they're just in the pub all day yeah. and in bed by eight o'clock. So yeah, it's a cool place. Yeah,
0: they enjoy themselves, right?
1: They sure do. Yeah. And uh, now, now back, uh, you were kind of saying a couple of articles I've read and you touched on it there before we went on air and um, trying to find a bit of space for yourself with a bit of time in the Caribbean and t- talk us through that.
0: Well, I suppose the, 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 simple kind of explanation is that I had to commit so much and, and kind of, um, delve into, uh, so much of the row and it was so time consuming and everything to do with it and not, not to mention the actual row itself, you know, that I, I just felt that when I was finished and after it that I, I needed to kind of, um, take some time to kind of just relax simply, you know. So um, my parents were obviously at the finish and my friends, a couple of friends and family and, you know, spent some time with them. And then I just kind of just do what I, Often what I do is just kind of roam. I like to call it, say roam, just travel a little bit and kind of potter around the Caribbean and just take some time to myself and, and just try and kind of process everything that I did, you know, because I found during last year, 2017, you know, all the fundraising events and all the preparation that... I very much skipped over the actual you know success of it if you yeah. want for want of a better word. you know I was like onto the next thing on to the next thing and cuz the role was the the kind of anchor of the whole thing so it was all about that good pun you know? run in there <laughs> <laughs> right so it was just kind of um I suppose I moved on to things very very quickly and I just felt that I probably needed some time just to kind of reflect and process the whole year um and what i went through to get there because it was so different to what i experienced before and what i did before in my kind of life
1: and how was that experience kind of taking time to process that any big big things sticking out to you over that reflection
0: period not really you know i just let it go kind of organically and 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 see what happens you know it's not as if i kind of sat down in a corner and kind of meditated on it It was no it was just like i just felt like i needed that kind of space and time um to just think you know I, i it gives me a a good space to kind of um reflect on, on everything. So um I think that it's a it's a long it's a slow burner. It's not gonna just happen in those four weeks and I'm not gonna kinda of brush my hands of it. You know, yeah. it's gonna, gonna take a lot longer, but it definitely helped in the process, you know, just the immediate aftermath having that time right. to just
1: reflect,
2: yeah. Yeah. We we talked about that in on, like one of the earlier episodes about like best ideas often coming on holidays because... You got that time to step away and you get to see the big picture of stuff. Whereas as you talked about, there's like sometimes you can be so busy achieving stuff and getting on to the next goal that oh, you, you you never really step back and look at it in the big picture, or you might get some sort of perspective, but then when like I find when I go away on holidays, I just have loads of like awesome ideas for coming back then to the gym and like what I'm gonna do and all that type of stuff. Whereas sometimes you, you don't really get that space where you just totally step back from it and get to get like a big picture on it
0: yeah it's it's kind of like a reset for yeah. a better expression isn't it like you kind of like you said you get a, a different kind of view of what you've achieved and um it gives you time to kind of um you know delve into some ideas and and kind of um i don't know you kind of come back refreshed a little bit and uh, ready to crack into new stuff and new goals and and that was, that was the idea, you know, it didn't always work like that, but I, I just said like, you know, there's no point in rushing back and doing a load of media stuff because you're just kind of continuing what you did before, you know. So just, just take your time, be slow with it and, um, and enjoy the kind of space that's so kind of valuable
2: i'd imagine the caribbean would have been like a nice place for that as well myself and sarah went on a cruise there a few years ago and we stopped off in one or two of the places you mentioned for like day trips and just like everything there is so chilled and like the, you know like walking backwards the pace yeah uh, Say the pace of life but like i'd say that's probably one of the best places to go and do that because like everyone around you is so chilled and the, the way it's set up with the beaches and everything, it's so set up for you to just relax and yeah. do nothing. As opposed to maybe if you went to New York first, even if you're trying to chill out a little bit, it's hard to because yeah. there's so much life going on around yeah, you.
0: So much noise, and I don't know. I like I I um I don't know if it was uh, a good thing or a bad thing, but I broke my phone quite early in the um the little trip afterwards, and uh, so you don't have the that's kind of um. What would you say that like kind of constant annoyance? Yeah, exactly. It's There all the time. You just constantly picking it up out of your. So it was just very kind of um, natural. You know what I was doing, kind of just just strolling around and just seeing new places and trying to do a little bit of uh, hiking and um, just give myself some space to kind of um, yeah take in everything that I that I kind of gone through in the last kind of eighteen months or so. It was just getting to the. Getting the first lead to the start of the row and then, you know, the actual row itself...
1: Process. My, my cousin was actually there when you came in. Uh, she's living kind of half between uh Mallorca and Antigua. She works on the yachts Right. She's, uh, a, yeah. she's a deckhand scrubbing, scrubbing boats. Yeah. And, uh, but she said she was there. She was there for one last year when someone came over. It was at night time. they had all the flares up and it was class. But she she was sending videos of you coming in okay. into like our family WhatsApp group. So that's cool. uh, yeah, it was really good because we've been talking about you before we even launched the podcast. We were, we were kind of in the prep of doing it. We? we were like, Damien's a guy that we definitely have to get on. So it was just it was really interesting time and see it all coming in. Yeah, yeah, great to get kind of an idea on where you're at now Rhodes is just going to talk through kind of the big things that we want to cover on the podcast and we'll dive straight into them
2: so the three things we'd love to touch on would be the key strategies for developing mental toughness and um, how to take actions on your goals and then one of the things he said was doing what makes you happy so in terms of f- for like I remember sitting down with you um, in UL when you messaged me to say come up and do the rowing championships and um, we did the 500 and in the morning and then we went off to the cafe and got some food because it's like a few hours till the 2k and uh who who won yeah. Damien <laughs> yeah, but he he won he beat everyone so it wasn't uh,
1: it wasn't too dismal the hell of a 2k the hell of a 2k it's anything
0: that looks into your soul more than a 2k it's it's
1: funny you should bring that up I'll talk about that later (laughs) on in the show but
0: but
2: like we we sat down and we were just having a chat and I was asking you what you've been doing since you retired and you said you've been doing a bit of travelling and stuff and then um, I was like oh what's your plans now and then you were telling me about the marathon the sablis and I was like and then you also went on to go on to say, but I'm also going to do the transatlantic row as well. And you're telling myself and Sarah about that. Um, so, like, could you just give us an insight into what inspired you to choose those two challenges?
0: Um, I, well, originally, actually, both of them were... Well, Sorry, the MDS or the Martin Sable was um, a documentary I first saw. And uh, there was three brothers from Galway who did it. I think Tina G or T.G. Car did a... Documentary: The O'Donovan Brothers. One of them is actually real fam- well, real well known ultra marathon runner Richard Dun- Richard Donovan. So I saw that, um, and I was like, "That's for me, basically." You know? Yeah. Had you and done any marathons run before that, or any kind of? Couldn't think of anything worse than doing a marathon. To be honest with you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just love the extreme of it, and the adventure, and the the challenge of like six Savage. marathons in six days, basically. So no, I've never done a marathon, and I never plan to do a marathon. But like, tell me to run six of them across this hour, and I'm like, somehow okay. that clicks. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and and I suppose that's the that's the whole point with the, these things, you know. I just feel like the the bigger the challenge, the more they kind of um, attract me and suit me. And there's a part to me that like. Comes out in the middle of those challenges, so I'm very kind of drawn to them, I suppose. Yeah. So the MDS was the was the, that documentary, and I was like, I'm going to do that someday. I was only 22 or 23, I think, when I saw that. I was still living playing mechanics and living in Galway, and then I read a book called The Crossing by Ben Fogel and James Cracknell. The Cracknell is the, yeah. you know, um, well known British Olympian, and uh, again, exactly the same thing. It was like that's for me. I'm going to yeah. do that someday. So, they were always in the back of my mind. I I think I was only about, that was in 2005 they did it. So, it was probably the year after I read the book. Um, And uh, they were always in the back of my mind. Like, I didn't obviously finish rugby until 2015 or so. So, I was like, um, as my career was progressing, I kind of, I suppose I, it might have been a form of escapism, you know, if I'm being honest, but I was always kind of searching out those things and I was always had an interest in them because of the mental challenge as well as the physical challenge because uh, I think you get a, a huge amount back uh when you kind of push yourself into those spaces you know that are uh obviously really um difficult so um yeah it was always a, it was always something I was going to do and um like you said when we met down at the um in the championships i think the MDS was was coming up really soon after yeah. that that was part of my training for that kind of you know doing uh doing the um the indoor row champs and then you know, I had it in the back of my head. To the next one was the the role, but like it's it's all very well said and done. But it like it's such a huge undertaking that it's it's hard to kind of um or I hadn't committed to it yet. Do you yeah, know what I mean, so after I did the MDS about a month after I did the MDS, I suppose that's when I actually sat down and goes, okay, let's you know let's give this your best shot. Let's uh this is a goal. Let's. um you know um when i commit to something i'm all in you know what i mean i don't don't fuck around basically i suppose what i'm trying to say so
1: doesn't look like it yeah
0: (laughs) so i i just you know i suppose i i wrote down the the fact that i I wanted to row across the atlantic um and it it became more than just a a thought in the back of my mind Uh, and then yeah i just did everything i could to to get there basically you know um if, if you were talking to Rhodes about that, probably
1: how long, how long was that the Marathon de Sable before you did the transatlantic roll? Uh, 18 months or so, 19, so like, 20 months. So you knew that far out. We talk about on the, the podcast a lot, we talk about on the show. Um, the power of sharing your goals with people. And like you said, you wrote it down. Like that's a really powerful thing to do is to write down something you want mm-hmm. to achieve. And, um, but we talked about it, even when we want to open the gym, it was an idea that we'd had for so long. And until we started saying it out loud, like until I said it to Rudds out loud, it never grabbed any momentum. It was just an idea in my head. Then when we both started saying it loud together, it picked up momentum really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'd like, imagine that's something that people could take away from that is if you want to do something, say it out. Like if you really, really do want to do something, you've thought about it like you had not just a I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. You thought about it for a long time. Once you share it, it's that commitment to yourself to go ahead and do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's a commitment to yourself. And, um, you know, if you have any self-respect, um, you will kind of do everything in your power to um, fulfill that commitment. You know what I mean? You will let nothing get in your way to, um, to stop you. So um, I think that's really important, you know, that uh, you are honest with yourself, and you're completely committed to the goal that you set yourself, you know, and, and it's, it's powerful because, um, uh, honesty is a, our honesty to yourself is a really kind of, um, you know, important thing. So as long as you can kind of look yourself in the mirror and try and let, like try and, try and try and try whatever it may be. If you fail, you fail, but like yeah. at least you can kind of commit to yourself and, Be honest with yourself and do everything in your power to fulfill that goal. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, importance in that. And so
1: you're kind of saying the inspiration through it might have been a little bit of escapism, a little bit of you being, you know, very adventurous, a little bit crazy. Maybe some people would say, but like really looking to push yourself into those kind of. Dark places that you don't get presented with challenges like that and kind of even a, in rugby or normal
0: a rugby career is quite stressful, <laughs> like you know yeah you're you're under a lot of pressure from a lot of different angles, not to mention the own your own pressure that you put on yourself to achieve, but like you know you're getting constantly poked and prodded and you know roads will tell you and measured and everything is everything is measured, so uh, I suppose you need little outs you know and and you maybe naturally seek them and for me, it was It was those sort of things, you know, um, reading and kind of planning for maybe stuff I wanted to do afterwards, like, you know, so they they always appealed to me, you know, these, these, I suppose people call them crazy adventures, um, and they were kind of spaces I really wanted to kind of delve into, so it was a bit more than kind of just... just a fantasy, you know what I mean? And yeah. It was like stin- tough stuff that I said, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that someday. You know what I mean? Well, since you
1: were 22, you saw that documentary. Well, that's a long time to be thinking about, it, looking forward to it. It helps as yeah. well
0: that time, you know, because you um, you visualize a lot during yeah. that process, uh, during that that time in rugby, and you kind of imagine, or try to imagine what you think it'll be like, and. You know, visual, visualization is incredibly important when it comes to mental strength, you know. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe that kind of period of time helped a lot.
1: We'll definitely touch on the visualization a bit more later when we're talking about the row itself. But um, like Rudd's kind of said a brief start, what challenges did you face logistically to, you kind of talked about it there, the stress of going from one, one thing to the next to make the row actually happen, then the row have needed time. Like what were the challenges in trying to put the whole thing together?
0: Well, you have to learn a lot. Um, I suppose the challenges are, are stuff like that. It's incredibly overwhelming. Like that, uh, I had no. I, I the rowing experience is different because you pick up rowing pretty handy for ocean rowing. Anyway, it's not technical like river rowing. You know, it's a bit you know grip and rip it like as John Daly said. But um, right. mar- the, yeah. <laughs> the maritime experience is something that you know is really important, and um, I had none of that. Like I literally knew nothing. Like and this. There was a lot of kind of bluff involved in the last kind of 18 months, you know, where, uh, for example, you'd be kind of pulling up to the pier when you're going training, you know, and you'd be bringing the boat down and you'd be putting it into water. And obviously you're faced with, there's a lot of people there who are in the, say I was doing it in Galway, um, Galway Sailing Club, um, which is in Renville. So you'd be kind of pulling up going, I hope nobody's here. <laughs> 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 They're going to find me out. Yeah, okay, I'll get they, caught. They have no idea what I'm doing, like, you know, but you're so um, motivated by the bigger goal how
1: how far out was that from actually doing it like you're kind of basically picking up and trying to learn as you go like how how far
0: ahead Mm -hmm. was that Um, I suppose I bought the boat in May last year so that was about 7 months from the start so (laughs) that period 7 months down to when it shipped was in October so about about 6 weeks from the start so yeah, but right up until that last six weeks you're kinda of going, I hope nobody asks me any questions. Jeez, you know, yeah. If anyone tests me on my knots, I've no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you, know, fishery, you see, like there's a couple of fishermen there the whole time and they'd be um when I'd be launching like early in the morning, they'd be there really early, like six or seven, if the tides are right and I'd be like, Man, if this guy asks me any questions on my knots, so I've no idea what yeah. I'm doing. I hope he doesn't ask me. But again, you know, you're just so um uh, I suppose those are small little details that you, you should know, obviously, but like the bigger picture is so important to you, just kind of p- push past that, you know. And you kind of.
1: I, I feel like it should be a bit of a disclaimer on this. Like <laughs> you're, make, you're making it sound more straightforward than it probably is. But uh, like with that stuff,
2: I find when I'm coaching people, and even in my, you know, when you talk about being honest with yourself, if I'm being honest with myself, sometimes I do that to myself where I'll like have a goal. And then, like little small things, will start getting in the way, and you realize you don't know what you should or you, whatever, or you don't uh, can't do this thing at the current time, and you will catch yourself using that as a reason not to push on to the bigger goals. It's like, well, I can't do this, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to push on to that. So, like, I see it all the time in my own coaching, but I see it with myself when I'm honest with myself and reflect on things. I'm like, Jesus, I'm doing that again, and I'm using that as an excuse not to test myself, or I'm afraid of failing with this thing. So, like, I think sometimes. Getting, like, obviously you need to know this stuff and being honest. Okay. I don't know this stuff. I'm going to learn this stuff or get someone to help me, but not using it as an excuse to, not do to, to stop. Cause I remember, yeah. I remember when we were training for that rowing thing, I didn't really have a clue about like training for rowing It's just I got on one day and did like a finisher of a 1K and then posted it on Twitter. And then <laughs> someone, and then someone goes, yeah, Tommy Turner from yeah. Leinster messaged me. He goes, Rudds, that's like really good. You should consider doing this. I was like, really? okay I'll this do- after a session It was after like a session, finisher, yeah. Uh, so I was like okay cool I'll do that and I did just I, I had other goals at the time and I didn't really want to commit to it as a big thing it didn't really interest me that much but I was like I'll just do it once a week where I'll get on and just row 1k as fast as I can once a week mm-hmm. and I did it for like 8-12 weeks in a row kept getting faster kept getting faster and then eventually got like the record for the 1K, which you've subsequently beaten. But like, I, <laughs> you know, as in, I, not I, when when, at all. But when I turned <laughs> up to that rowing competition with you, I was pretty clueless on how to train for rowing. I was just tipping away at it a little bit, but lifting was my main priority yeah. in rugby. So it was just like something I do once a week. And I remember getting up there and getting on next to all the lads in their suits. Yeah. And <laughs> Those pictures, were all so good. So funny. And done 500 <laughs> and finished and i looked at my stroke rate and it was like in the 50s or whatever and then you're looking at the lads are like 32 yeah. and i was like oh wow but like i finished in the top 10 whereas so like if if i had used all those reasons all the things i didn't know all the re- the reasons why i shouldn't do it mm. i would never have gone and done that and then so like i think that's important as well like we talk about progress not perfection so that idea of like i have to be perfect mm. to move on to this big picture I think that's a lie. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to be perfect to get to the big goal. You have yeah. to go, okay, I'm, I am I want to get there. I'm just going to get moving. Yeah. And if I have setbacks, I'll learn from the setbacks. If I don't know that, I'll ask the person who's the best guy in the own club, how many knots shall I be doing yeah. or whatever it might right. be. Yeah. Uh, but But I'm going here. I'm going to get moving. And if there's a roadblock, I'll figure it out. Yeah, if I don't know something, I'll ask someone, or oh, I might just figure it out myself as yeah. I go.
0: Yeah, it's great, and it's really important. I think that's, I think we're fed this thing that we have to know what we're doing all the time, or we have to be um, conscious, sorry, um, we have to be kind of um, that, that we can't do stuff that we don't know, if you get me. Like, so, yeah, um, we're fed this kind of narrative all the time, you know, and it, um. It, it puts us off doing stuff that we want to do, you know. And I find it the whole time in my kind of uh, in my life, you know. There's because I'm always somebody who wants to push myself and try new things and, and delve into those kind of spaces. And I'm always going, but you don't have any idea what this is about. You know, yeah. why should you do it? Or you know, um, there's so many more people out there that have kind of knowledge in this space. You know, you haven't got a clue. And I'm like, but just go and learn by doing. Learning by doing is something that I really um, value and I have to kind of, when I'm faced with this kind of overwhelming new idea or new place I want to go to, I just kind of have to constantly kind of reaffirm that to myself, but you will learn as you do and don't be afraid to make mistakes and don't be afraid to uh, ask questions and don't be um, afraid of, you know been clueless on the, the matter or whatever it is, because I, I got a Scooby's about any maritime stuff, you know, like I was just saying to you guys there, but um, if it's kind of important enough to you I suppose you just you persevere and you kind of um, you find the, um, you kind of ignore those little voices in the back of your head that are kind of saying, but you, you don't really know what you're doing, yeah. like, you know because, um, because it's so... Uh, like i said because it's so important to to you that you uh, you push past those little doubting voices and um
1: but that's a great example i mean of um like so people some people get caught up in their weaknesses <clears throat> like they always focus on what they're not good at opposed to what they are good at and like more often than not people have more strengths than they do weaknesses if especially with something like this that they're they're committed to so you're just focusing on things like exactly like you said your determination your your grit They outweigh the fact that you don't have knowledge in X, Y, and Z. And like Rudd said, you'll learn as you go. So like that would be a big thing for people. What you're saying there sounds very similar to someone who's um, overweight, who's trying to get in shape, it's going to be massively overwhelming because they don't know all about their nutrient timing and what exact type of training they should be doing. Whereas if they just start, and if they really are driven to lose weight or to get in better shape, it'll it'll come. Mm-hmm. If they just focus on what they can do opposed to what they can't do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I suppose you're kind of coming into the space where you kind of control what you can control, you know what I mean? And, and focus on those, um, those little things that are... Um, you know, within your control. So, um, yeah, I suppose with the road, there was a lot of dash, you know, I, I kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in the body and the mind and the training of the body and preparing it for something. So I really, you know, focused in on dash and I kind of, kind of went, well, listen, if, um, surround yourself by, with good people. So I had a, a weather router and a boat builder basically. And they were the two guys I leaned on when, Um, things would have gone bad or when they did go bad or when I perceived, you know, they would go bad, you know. So uh, I said, listen, uh, there was a guy called Levin Brown who did my weather when I crossed, you know. So I said, okay, well, I I don't have a clue what's going to happen out there, but at least I have Levin on my side. And then with Justin who built the boat, you know, I was like going... So my big weakness in what I felt was my big weakness was... The practicalities of fixing stuff on the boat, you know, because I wouldn't be too uh, <laughs> DIY oriented, you know. So I was, a, that was a big fear, but I went, Well, I have Justin, and I will, if anything goes wrong, I'll just get in contact with him and I'll go, Justin, a bit like uh, Denzel Washington in Philadelphia. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, he goes, explain this to me like I'm a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, was going to ring Justin and go, Justin, this is broken. Explain, it. It. Time. Yeah, explain this to me like I'm a five-year-old and I'll try and fix it, you know. So um, so I kind of alleviated a little bit of the pressure there. I was putting on myself with, with, with surrounding myself with good people who, um, you know, had solutions to stuff that I was quite um, worried and anxious and fearful about, you know, um, because it's... it's there's a lot to like there's a lot to take in with ocean rowing and there's a lot of new stuff when you're when you're trying to learn and not everybody can be um, uh, a maritime, you know uh, an ocean goer um, you know physically in incredible you know in really good shape and then you know have all the kind of knowledge of the boat and how it works you know so normally people have maybe one or two of those things boxed off and yeah. you don't have the third so you know, you, you kind of you have to lean on people, and and that's kind of the um, that's where I I kind of just found good people that I trusted, and um and and just kind of like I said, lent on their their knowledge and their experience.
1: That's a massive thing that we always talk about. Yeah. Surround yourself with positive people who are not necessarily on the same trajectory in terms of goals or ever, but just being around people who generally bring the best out of you and that you can lean on when you need help. They're going to be positive influence in your life. We talk about the whole time rods even in training and environments and just that ability
2: to ask for help and like you said about being honest with yourself. Like, where do my strengths lie? What am I better at? What 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 would I rather focus on? So, like, we always talk about that with business and in training. That ability to go this isn't necessarily a huge strength of mine. I'm not overly interested in it. So like, I'm not going to put in as much effort to get really good at it, but I know this person's an expert and I can call them up and give them, ask them for the five-year-old, the five-year-old yeah. cues. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. And, definitely yeah. and, that. and, and then, and, and then, but then you, you then know what actions you need to take to get there. So like, I think trying to do it all on your own is not the right idea, but then the same point, expecting everyone to do it for you is not the other idea but kind of honestly looking and going right i'm you like i said i'm good in these two areas but this area not as good i'm just going to find a mentor i'm going to find mm. someone who i i can get them i can add value in their life and somehow so i will you probably were able to help them in some way and then they can help you back in that way and then when it's time to phone a friend you can yeah. call in that favor
0: yeah exactly yeah like um you can't know everything, right? Yeah. And um, just because you don't know something or you're um, a little bit overwhelmed by a space that, you know, is unknown to you, you kind of have to find a way around that. And um, for me, it was it was just kind of finding people I trusted and who I felt um, were very kind of um, honest in their approach and their application and, and just, yeah, and just surrounding myself with them and, and leaning on them and using them because... Um, there's so much stuff that you just, you just, like, there's just such a small, in particular with the road, there's such a small amount of time and there's so much to learn that, you know, you just, you just can't, you can't learn it all, you know, um, and it takes years. So, uh, if you can, you know, if you can find somebody who's really, um, trustworthy, um, I think you, you really have to use them and, uh, and don't be afraid to, to, you know, to, to admit that you don't know something or, that, uh, you know, that you're a little bit clueless and you need that help, you know. Because it's it's just ego is there is getting in the way sometimes, you know, and with stuff and I think men are obviously a little bit worse than women with that. Um, you know, we were are like all kind of no, I know everything, we're macho, but yeah, you know, I think it's it's more um powerful to admit that you don't know something and and to lean on somebody um Who's, who's a lot more knowledgeable in that space than you are. In terms of just, like, one thing I wanted to ask you was
2: I chat to most people and say that you're coming on and, like, all the lads are super excited. Reese and James in the house yesterday. They're like, that's awesome. But, like, one of the things that always comes back is mental toughness. So like, oh, Jesus, he's so mentally tough. And that that's what, you know, everyone from the rugby space who would have played with you, all the lads really respect that. Um, but in terms of for us trying to help people, so like they listen to this podcast, but how can they take away, you've already touched on two or three of the strategies, I've reading a few articles, you talked about the strategies, what would be the three or four key strategies for developing mental toughness
0: that that you've used? Um, So I like to, I like to, so people often ask me like, how do you train for that, like physically and mentally, I, I like to put the two of them together you know, so I like to really kind of Push myself in my training and kind of be constantly challenging myself and then growing from that, you know. So I see you've got the air bikes out there. I do a lot of work on the air bikes and on the erg, but I, I you know, I do a lot of kind of um, high intensity interval stuff, you know. So I, I really kind of uh, push myself um, and try and kind of, uh, so say I'm doing like uh, intervals on the erg, let's say 500 meter intervals or something like that. Um, I'll always try and kind of go into a place where it's really, really difficult and then almost feel, you know, kind of listen to the voices inside me and feel the um, the output from the row uh, or from the interval and then kind of trying to um, kind of decipher what that is, uh, if that makes any sense. It's a little bit convoluted, I suppose, what I'm saying, but... Um, so what I'm always doing, so I'm always trying to control my breath. I, I think a lot of mental strength is breath control. So that's what I've kind of learned over the years, just from pushing myself into those spaces and the, you know, the outcome of those and just trying to delve into that. So um I'm always kind of trying to, so what I do is, so for example, I'll, I'll do some intervals on the erg or the air bike, and I'm, I'm always saying to myself, Calm your, calm your breath, calm your mind, calm your breath, calm your mind, calm your, calm your breath, calm your mind. Because when you go, say, flat out on a 500 or something like that, you the last thing you want to do is back it up. So I'm always saying, calm your breath, calm your mind straight away. Calm your breath, calm your mind, calm your breath, calm your mind. And then all of a sudden, the next 500 doesn't seem so scary yeah. Yeah. or so difficult, you know. So, um so breath control is really important um, and um, obviously visualization. So I visualize myself going into those really like horrible spaces, you know, where everything is telling you to quit, to stop. And if you visualize it, you've lived it. Um, and if you've lived it, you've been there before. So it ain't so scary all of a sudden, you know, and you don't really want to kind of um, to quit or whatever. So visualization, uh, breath control, And, um, and just stay positive, really like just constantly coming out of those negative spaces, having a, like a mantra or a cut, because you know, the reality is that you're going to get negative. You're going to want to give up or you're going to want to quit if you push yourself into those really difficult places. So you have to be ready for that, right? So you're ready, you're ready for it because you've already lived it in your visualization, but also you need a process in place a mental process that um when it comes to that kind of negative space you can turn around into a positive so what i use is like a mantra or cut. i actually learned this from a, a book called uh, unbeatable mind by uh, mark divine yeah. yeah um and it's like basically he talks about um having something really brutal uh, to to cut that negative process and then having these um, positive uh, mantras or sayings or statements that brings it back into a a positive, uh, you into a positive place. So um, um, that works incredibly well, you know. I I always come back to the, like, he talks about, I always come back to this thing where they do in buds that he talks about is like, they throw this they throw a guy into the swimming pool or whatever and he's fully clothed in all his seal gear and then they attack him basically and they strip him down and he's got um he's got to obviously ready himself and get all the gear back on before he can surface. So I, I always come back to that. Can you imagine that like process of like being attacked and stripped of all your gear and not being able to breathe and the processes you have to have in place um to stay calm and uh find all the gear that's stripped around in the swim pool put it back on and then you can come up and surface i always think that is just incredible yeah what they can do so um i suppose that that brings me back to the whole breath control you know if you don't have like in that case they don't have any oxygen obviously so um it's so important to just you know keep your mind calm under all that duress um and it's the same with training or the same in you know certain situations you might find yourself in in, in these endurance events, uh, and just um, concentrate on the the controllables, the processes, and get, for example, in that case, go to the edges of the swim pool and get the gear and put it back on and then surface. You know, or what he talks about those that cut process and then reaffirming stuff, getting back into a positive mindset is just yeah, it's worked for me anyway, time and time again in my training and in in certain expeditions and certain challenges. So. You know, I, 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 I use it a lot. I lean on it a lot and I think there's, there's amazing
1: value in it. You're touching on some awesome things there that like we, we'd kind of be really interested in visualization in particular is one thing that we, we look at a lot. Um, I remember about I think I might have mentioned one of the previous shows, but when I injured my shoulder last year, I couldn't play, like love golf, trying to get better all the time. I couldn't, couldn't play. And Rudd's shared an article with me about a guy who was a prisoner of war. Rhodes. was he in Afghanistan?
2: No, in, I can't remember what it was. He was a prisoner of war. Yeah, yeah,
1: prisoner of war. And he a uh, golfer and he was locked up for years. I'm kind of doing a terrible job of uh, explaining the story. But he was in solitary confinement for a couple of years. And he went through the process of his home course going through getting out literally the the detail of getting into his car leaving his house driving to the golf course Mm -hmm. teeing up the ball throwing the grass in the air see what it all felt like and literally just practicing all the swings visualizing his head and then he went back his first round back after getting out of uh, solitary confinement goes and shoots like two over par best score (laughs) he's ever shot without swinging a golf club in two three years like that to me alone, obviously it excites me because it's a golf analogy as well, but like the power of the mind to be able to do that, something as complex as golf where the variables are so big. Mm. If you can, that, that just shows the power of the mind to be able to do that and the impact it can have on the physical ability. Johnny Sexton talked about it in the last episode we had him on. You, you touched on it as well that you like to think of the mental and physical prep together. He talked about mental preparation has become far more important for him later in his career, but if he hasn't done the physical prep, It's based on nothing. Mm. It's like you can't just go in and go, I'm going to have a fantastic game if his training's been terrible all week or if he hasn't been on the pitch or in the gym. So, like, that's a really big thing for people is they look at you and they go, Right, really mentally tough guy. But it's based on something. It's based on the knowledge that your body can go to those places that you've put it in in training and Mm. that you visualize doing it. It doesn't just, you don't just be mentally tough based on nothing.
0: How do you get good at inton? Practice, right? Reps, yeah, yeah, you have to reps and set, sets and reps, as Ernie says. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, and yeah, constantly have to keep putting yourself back into that space, and it's it's difficult. You know, nobody wants to do fucking, you know, five uh, eight five hundreds on the erg. Like, let's be honest, you know. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to be good at inten, you gotta. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Put in the hours, and and, and it comes. You know, you get better. Uh, and it's the same with mental strength. You know, if you want to get good at it, you want to be mentally strong. You got to keep pushing your back, keep pushing yourself back into that space. Um, and keep practicing the processes. Same as anything, you know. Same as a golf swing, right? Yeah, you want to be good at it. You got to swing gotta
1: the club. club it, at it. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Do you mind if I ask you? I know people that are listening. it's definitely going to be killing me if I don't ask you. You're talking about your cut and the things that you would turn into mm. positive. Is that something that's personal, or can you tell us what that what that cut is for you to stop the negativity?
0: Yeah, no, I, I can tell you. Course of course, it. it's it's like the. Mark Devine talks about it has to be really brutal and honest and minus. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can say this, but stop being a, see oh. you next Tuesday. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's just stopping a cunt. Um, and, uh. I gotta get and, some bleep sound effects. Right, right yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, right, don't worry you We
1: know, um, asked for
0: it. Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And that's, that's basically, you know, um, as long as I'm aware so the first thing you, what you have to do you have to be aware of that you are being negative of yeah. course and that, that takes practice same as anything um, the more you kind of um, push yourself into that space and in your training you become aware of your mental state then you need obviously when, when things get really tough and when you get negative with yourself or when you you know basically you're under a lot of duress in your training or whatever and all these voices are going, you can't, you know, stop, you can't do it, whatever. Uh, then you need that cut, basically, yeah. you know, and then you have to reaffirm it. So I'd be like, I, I've said it in a couple of interviews before, I kind of go, I've like, you're unbreakable, you're unstoppable, you're indestructible, you're unbreakable, you're unstoppable. You, you need something really positive. Yeah. As corny as it sounds, it works really, really, really well. It's a really strong thing, you know, and uh, and, and that's it, you know. So if I'm doing i don't know let's say a minute on a minute off on the air bike or something kind of disgusting like that yeah and i'm really pushing myself you know and coming off and I, i'll be going man just like you, you kind of become outcome orientated so it's bringing your back bringing yourself back to the controllables and then just calming yourself calming your mind and then telling yourself you know you're unbreakable you're unstoppable you're, you're unstoppable you're indestructible and um you, you need, so, sorry, uh, when I'm saying that, then I, I want to get um, a feeling with that. You know, it's not just um, the mantra or the saying. I want to get a, um, a feeling or a frequency with that because that's the power in those um, statements, you know. So you want to feel empowered by those statements and you want to grow from them. So, or you want to, yeah, you, like I said, you want well, to feel. That's a
1: charge from it, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, and you need a visualization as well. So you need three things I'm sorry I'm coming around no it's coming true yeah yeah exactly so you need the statement you need a visualization and you need the kind of feeling or the frequency of the statement so those three things if you get those three things you completely um Turn around that negative into a massive positive, and you feel like you feel empowered. You yeah, know? Um, and that's what you're looking for from those um, processes.
1: That's exciting and great, and Rod's going to happen, but That's really exciting to hear because, like, that stuff ties into to all areas mm-hmm. of life. I would find if I'm ever in a situation where it's the business or whatever it might be, study exams, and you're feeling overwhelmed. You have a cut, something like that. It might be kind of different, but you have a yeah. cut, and then you know, it's where it's positive. I can do this, or I, you know, I, I can get over the line. But like to hear you say things like that, where you're talking about being unstoppable, unbreakable, all, all those kind of really big, strong, empowering things in Irish culture, that stuff is kind of like you said, some people will perceive it as corny. I don't yeah. know, I don't know why. Like, I don't that, know that's, either, yeah. it, it's such a shame that people would look at that and go, That's a bit lame, or whatever. Like, right, that's yeah. like, that's you but you've done that in practice. It's not like just you're on you're on the boat mid-Atlantic on. I'm unstoppable, I'm unbreakable all of a sudden. You are doing that every time you get in the bike when you're using your visualization, mm. you're training. I think it's really cool to hear yeah. to hear that kind of stuff And the more people in Ireland in particular, whether it's not even in fitness but like embrace the power of the mind and what you can do. I think it'll, it'll definitely help.
2: In terms of from for me like there's so much awesome stuff with that, but I think one thing that people need to understand is the fact that um no matter how mentally tough you are it's a constant skill that you have to keep practicing and the fact that people are mentally tough don't like don't not have these thoughts so what I find with that is like a lot of people are under the impression that someone who's mentally tough never has negative thoughts yeah, it is, yeah. but, but like I found that in terms of my, my own dealings with uh, like trying to be mentally tough or trying to reduce anxiety you always have these thoughts but whether or not you let them lead you down the path that affects your actions or you have something where you stop it, you rephrase it and you go. And that that's the difference. Is in. So say for instance, for me, when I struggled with my mental side of things, it was, I'd get all those thoughts and I'd listen to them. And that was me. And pushing through that and dealing with that for me, it was a case of I still have all the negative thoughts that I've ever had before, but I've learned now to rephrase Mm. and stop myself. And so what the thing I say to myself is, um, be my own biggest cheerleader instead of my own biggest critic. So when I catch myself in that negative loop and I'm keep being my own biggest critic, then just go stop. Right. I'm going to rephrase that. So instead of you can't do this, I'm going to do this. So I can Mm. do it. And. It's not like you say it once and then that's it. Yeah, no. And it's a constant, for me, for me, it's a constant battle to keep trying to work on my mental side of things. And the, and the same with meditation. So I do some mindfulness and like, again, one of the biggest illusions that I've seen with people is that they, I go say, for instance, I'm coaching a client and they're really struggling with stress and anxiety. Uh, or they, ju- I can just tell they're up the walls of work. And I go, I think you should really invest five, 10 minutes into me- meditation using mind space, uh, sorry, the headspace app. Do that. And they come back and they're like, no, I can't do it. Uh, all I could think of was that. I was like, that's what meditation is. That's the point. You get all like, no matter how good you get at meditation, you still get all the thoughts distracting you but you get better at bringing it back to the breath. Mm. And then the whole purpose of meditation, a good meditation session is not having no thoughts and having an empty mind. It's mind wanders, bring the mind back, back to the breath. Mind wanders, bring it back. Mm. A good mental toughness session isn't getting on and not having any duress or not having any negative thoughts. It's, It's get the negative thoughts bring it back to a positive and the more mentally tough the more stronger you are i'd imagine it's practicing and getting better at bringing the negative stuff back and putting it back to a positive yeah
0: completely you know i think um it's a common misconception that like uh, people who are are, uh, mentally strong are just always in a strong headspace it's it's not about that it's about constantly putting yourself in a space where you're practicing those um processes that make you mentally strong you know so i think it's it's kind of um you know for people who if you look at somebody who's you know um in a a strong place in their training or mentally who you perceive to be mentally strong the the misconception is that he's always like that he never gets negative no it's not about that he gets as negative as you do you know what i mean he just processes it in a different way and the great thing about that is everyone everyone yeah. can control yeah. those processes you know it's but, just learning how to do them and then pushing yourself into that place you know regularly so you're practicing them you know the same as a deadlift you know yeah. same as a, a squash you know how do you get better at it you keep doing it and keep practicing it and you know eventually you know you perfect that movement or you um you try and perfect it at least, you know, and it's the same with mental, uh, mental strength and mental processes. You just have to have the um, tenacity and the drive to keep putting yourself in those. You no, know, they're, they're not nice. They're shitty positions, but, you know, if you want to be good at it, do a lot of it. But well,
1: that's what you're saying there is class because um, you're saying that some people who will process, better. for example, Rudd's a very mentally tough guy. You see some of the stuff he does in the gym. Like, I know. I know from being around him all the time. But I, I, I train some people to be like, "Justian ran Rudd's an animal. Like he never wavers or whatever it is." But I know from talking to him that that that's not the case. But you're saying that he people like Rudd's that are mentally tough might process things differently. It's not even that he processes them differently. It's that he's done it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That He's done it regularly enough like you're talking about. He's able to listen to his body, listen to his mind, listen to his breathing and go, this is a shit situation I'm in. Now I use my cues. Mm-hmm. And he only does that from building up experience go to go into that place. Sure. Whereas like anyone who just goes out and decides to jump on a row for half an hour from doing nothing they're going to be really really struggling it comes with time and with reps and with practice Mm -hmm. and exposing yourself in those kind of situations but it brings us in really nicely to something that you talked about (coughs) it was in an article uh, you talked about on the boat we haven't talked too much, about on the boat, we it was kind of loads of articles and stuff on it. You're probably talking about loads, but uh, you cultivated positivity each morning. Uh, like I know you talked about your triggers and the cuts and that, but like when you wake up every morning, was there really what, what? was the process like to cultivate that positivity well, and get you into actually, space?
0: Not on the boat at all. Um, it was before. You know, six months before, I kind of wake up, do like some affirmations. I have like maybe two or three. I normally kind of do them. Um, I change them up so I'll have two or three affirmations that I'll do for about a month okay. and then I'll change them you know so I might say to myself like I might say that I'm unbreakable I'm unstoppable instructable. or one that I use a lot in the last year was nothing will stop me crossing rowing the Atlantic nothing will stop me and I keep repeating to myself and I find in a medium term like sometimes you don't um you don't get that uh, feeling or that energy or you're not enthused by the that saying. But I think in the me- what I found is in the medium term, those things are really powerful. You know, if you keep saying it to yourself down the line, then you kind of go, you notice you notice those things, you're kind of going, all right, now, now I see the power in that affirmation or um, in that statement that I'm saying to myself. So what I normally do is kind of do two or three for a month and then I'll change them up and do another two or three every morning. You just sit down, take five minutes, kind of concentrate on breathing and a bit of gratitude and then some affirmations and then get on with my day, basically. Sets and you it, up the right way, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It does. And um, I kind of want to, same as anything in life, I kind of want to evolve that now. And I've heard a lot of people talking about like checklists that they have as well. So that's the next thing for me, I think, is kind of just um, having things that I, I want to improve. In my life or things that I want to change and just writing them down and then in the morning adding them to my little routine that I might have, morning routine or whatever, a little checklist, things that I want to change and I suppose it just brings awareness to that area or that part of my life and then kind of just get on my day then basically that's, it's as simple as that really yeah. that,
1: that's a really good strategy myself and i kind of sat down recently obviously the gym's kind of five years old this year we sat down to reflect on the business and where the next five years is going to take us and i've done this loads of different ways in goal setting through like my sporting career and even just in business set goals figure out how to achieve them but what i've learned over the last few years is it's the daily processes that ultimately add up to the goals mm. so us saying whatever we want to do in the business that's fine, but we got to scale back to what I do every day. So when I wrote my goals for the next five years, I broke down the big goal into a yearly kind of checklist, a monthly thing, and then a weekly and daily habits. I said, mm-hmm. just take golf, for example. I want to get to a um, handicap of five this year. Uh, that's fine. He has a yearly goal, but I broke it down to I need to play once a week mm-hmm. and I need to do exact that, some mirror swings where I'm just practicing swinging without a club mm-hmm. hands for an hour a week. So that can be broken into 10 minutes every day. Right. And that, if I do that every week and every day, I've got to take, I will get to sure. five or whatever it is. But like that's, that's a really good skill for people who've got a lot of different things going on in their life to break them down into daily, weekly, weekly habits. It's yeah. kind of really successful I find.
0: I, I you probably, I bet you Johnny said this, but um, I haven't listened to the podcast. But um, Joe Smith always yeah, says, "You are know. what you do every day." That's you know? exactly what we talked about right, right? Yeah, 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 and it's it's so true, you know. Um, if you're, uh, it's all well and good having these massive goals, but how do you get there? What's the pathway to it? And it's what you do every single day, and it's those. Um, if it's, for example, if it's some sort of kind of fitness goal, you know, uh, it's all well and good, you know, doing your training and that, but what are you doing the other kind of 22 hours of the day or whatever, you yeah. know, because that's what it adds up, right? The uh, best
1: thing Johnny said about that was though, wasn't about like being really diligent. He actually said as well, if you're a really sloppy individual that rocks up the training completely unprepared, you know, not ready, that's the type of player you're going to be. That that hit me more than talking about a guy who's really prepared is going to be an excellent player. He talked about if you're just a sloppy guy who rocks into the gym, no, no thought of what he's going to do that will have just as negative an impact as being really on top earnings. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really powerful. You have to prepare, right?
0: You know, it's all well and good coming into the gym, but like if you're not prepared to be in the gym, are you going to get the most out of it? No you know chance. what I mean? So, mentally and physically, you have to be prepared. So, I remember in the last two years of my career, I never sat down on a couch or anything, I was sitting on the floor all the time, and like people would be like, Why are you sitting on the floor? I'd be like, Because you know. If I sit down, my spine's in a bad position, my hips are in a shit position. So tomorrow, my deadlifts are going to be ridiculously, are going to be poor because my hips are in a poor position. So I just sit on the floor all the time. And it's about preparing to be, to get the most out of your training or to get the most out of whatever it has to be. And and that's, that's the reality of it. If you want to be, um, successful or you want to be, um, you want to achieve something, you got to make kind of those little, tiny changes in your life to get there and it's what you do every minute of every day that'll get you there you know
1: is that where you got to sitting on the floor from rhodes yeah
2: the, the, i didn't get it from that but again it's just like that little thing of like standing sitting like little things to help well, you right time out through
1: when he opened a business he no. didn't like sit yeah. in a chair for like nearly i don't know yeah, the words. Not, as long as i can remember really he wasn't yeah. sitting down in seats yeah yeah
2: but just, uh, like I think as well, like when you know you're, like the thing you said about the 23 hours, I think that's so important. And like we talked, I said, when we were doing our key points from Johnny and our take home thing I was, I was like the 23 hours how he prepares for that one hour is like that's one of the biggest things I took out of Johnny's interview that ability of like coming in the gym is the easy part so like everyone likes to come in and train so coming in doing your deadlifts coming in doing your high intensity work like everyone enjoys that but then there's so many people I'm coaching who the, the one of the biggest things I'm doing at the moment is transformations and uh, body composition change and people come in and they'll train. They're like, well, I'm not losing the weight. And I'm like, yeah, but the gym's the easy bit. We all enjoy that. We're all in a space now where we've gotten used to that. It's like, are you prepping your meals outside? Are you not eating until you're full? Like all these little things, that's the thing. And then we're currently now in weeks 11 and 12 of the transformations. And last night I got sent a load of um people's 12-week progress photos. And it was incredible, the change. And these are people who'd already trained five, six times a week, already ate well, but they just sharpened up their 23 Mm. hours and loads of little things adding up like, and then the changes are incredible. Mm. Uh, So so it's just, I think it comes down to that honesty piece as well, because I think we all tend to do it where we all tend to justify things to ourselves. So it's like, oh, I'm doing so well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But if we're not getting the results we want, there's probably something we're leaving on the table. And then if when we're brutally honest with ourselves and go, well, I can do a way better job here, here, and here. I'm just going to do it a little bit better for the next 12 weeks. That makes a huge difference then. Yeah.
0: And again, it, and it's not something that's easy, right? No. Being brutally honest. And I think you have to keep pushing yourself back into those places. And, um, you know, uh, just learning from the feelings you're getting, you know. So I, I'm talking about kind of when you're pushing yourself in your training or whatever, you're getting a lot of feedback and it's just, you know, just kind of listening to those voices and learning from them and then kind of re- evaluating them and then pushing forward again. You know, I've just been, like you said, brutally honest. Like I, I, I am at times I, I'm, I'm, wor- I'm always my worst critic and I do my own head in at times, but I'm very content in that place because I'm so honest with myself, you know, I would be unhappy if I was, um, like, you know, avoiding the honesty or the, you know, the, the realities of that. So as long as, as long as I am, uh, as long as I'm honest to myself, I think you can be content in whatever you're doing, you know what I mean? So it's just about again just constantly uh, well you have to i suppose you have to learn how to get to that space you know and and that is for me is just constantly pushing myself back in there and and listening to those uh that feedback from my training mentally and physically and then um and then evaluating that and pushing forward again you know and constantly doing that and it's like a circle you know <laughs> you're constantly kind of you know going around that kind of process you know uh, and you're, with that, you're using content. the
1: feedback though that's you're not afraid of like the voices i'm saying the voice but you're not afraid of the signs that this is really tough like you're not afraid of that you're taking that feedback you're assessing it and then you're turning it into a positive and, mm. Like you can't stop that feedback you can't stop your body lactate levels from being through your roof your mind from racing and saying get me off the road my arse is killing me mm-hmm. or whatever it is you're not you can't stop those so you're just accepting them you're letting them do what they want to do then you're turning into a positive
0: yeah, finding a way, right? And you're talking
1: about finding a way. I've read something that you said. Um, <coughs> you're one of those dangerous people who takes action on their dreams. Like that. That's fairly inspiring and powerful. Like, what does that mean to you when you say a dangerous person who takes action on their dreams?
0: Um, it means that, like, uh, I, I. It's it's easy to you know just well you know I suppose it's easy just to kind of think of things that you want to do and and um and and dream them up, but. The hard thing is actually going after them, you know, and it's for me, I find that like there's a lot of social pressure on um, you have to go down certain pathways. And if you kind of step outside those pathways, it's like a, a tidal wave of kind of um, what's the word, you know, negativity yeah. against you, you know. So pushing on to those things, I find are quite difficult. And it's just having that mental process there, that kind of um well, what? Why are you doing it? Or the philosophy, or that kind of mission statement? You know, why? Why is it important to you? And I suppose, for me, I I will go to my grave content if I live genuinely. You know, if I live and I kind of go after those things that are important to me and are those dreams. You know, and that's what it was with the MDS and the row and rugby to a certain extent. You know, they were they were the um, most important things to me in that space and I kind of let nothing get in my way and uh when I that's what I when I when I when I said that statement or when I wrote it down you know that's kind of what I I meant you know that um living genuinely and going after your own dreams and pursuing those are bigger than anything and that's the kind of motivation that I um use when uh I feel kind of a lot of kind of Negative um, influence. People telling you and
2: what and you energy. should do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, I, I don't. You know, when people ask me what do you do. I don't have an answer. You know, I, I, don't I, have... I, I love
1: seeing you've explained this differently several times. Yeah, good, I
0: don't have. I have like I don't know. I, I don't know. I like what do I do? I'm not sure, but I do some pretty cool stuff. So you, you, uh, you
2: do what makes you happy. Yeah. yeah, that's another thing that kind of picking up probably from your mission statement you see on the website is that one of the things that came across was you do what makes you happy Mm,
0: i do yeah and um because it's important to me you know and i won't let kind of anything else or i'm i'm so honest with myself i won't let anything else get in in the way of that you know as much as i struggle sometimes with the kind of um you know, with the social pressures of it all, you know, I, I am, It's bigger than that, and that's that's what drives me forward. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror every morning if I wasn't doing those things. You know, if I, I'd just be a fraud, basically. Yeah. You know, so I use those, I use that kind of um, uh, that motivation to to push through those times where I, I kind of get a bit negative and I, I'm, um, you know, I, I'm I'm questioning everything um and i, I kind of wouldn't it just be easier just to get a job and and kind of do the the uh standard kind of pathway stuff but you know i'd just be so unhappy if i did that i just wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror every morning you know so i have to i i and, you know i'm the only one who has to live with myself like so <laughs> so um, and
1: your dog which you're looking forward to of getting course, to of course it, yeah? yeah
0: yeah but uh you know, a friend of mine said that to me actually once and it, it hit home on me, you know. He says, well, I'm the only one who has to live with myself, like, so if I'm not able to look myself in the mirror, if I'm not pursuing the things that make me happy, um, it's going to be turmoil inside, you know, and who fucking wants that, like, you know, so.
2: <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say it, Do you know, like, if you talk, when you talked about some of the mental toughness strategies, like we've heard that from lots of people and if you hear enough people say, and same with training if you hear enough people say something about something, at a, at a certain point you're like there must be something to this mm. I'm going to try this now and I, I've heard that a lot over the last year and I think it's really powerful like we had a guy called Ben Coomer come over and speak um he did a seminar on nutrition. He actually
1: did a podcast as well, but yeah. it happened to disappear.
2: Yeah, it's in the Lost Archives, I broke it. <laughs> uh, but he came over and he did 25 reasons why you're not losing body fat. And the 25th reason was do what makes you happy. And like, you can see people like kind of go, oh, that's nothing to do with nutrition. And well, I'd go, "It's actually everything to do with nutrition. If you're in a place where, you, like you're saying, you can look yourself in the mirror, you're enjoying what you're doing, you're pursuing your passion, then that is going to fuel all the actions that come with it. So like say for instance, we talk about with nutrition, if you can't see yourself doing it in a year's time, it's probably not the approach for you or at least a version of that. You could be more strict and more you know, diligent at certain times when your goal dictates it. But if you start eating a certain way and you absolutely hate it, there's no way you're going to stick to it. It doesn't appeal to your normal routines. It doesn't appeal to your likes, your dislikes. You're eating things you hate every day. You, like, you're going to be miserable. You're not going to stick to it. So probably a good place is what are the things you like that match your goal? Start eating loads of them first, yeah. and then you can maybe add in some other stuff on top of that instead of going everyone tells me I should be doing the low-carb diet or everyone tells me I should be doing uh, X diet, whatever it is. So I'm going to do this because I should do it instead of going I like this stuff this stuff appears to get me to there and I'll just do a few things that I don't like as much and kind of take my medicine and get get there so like being happy is like it got everything to do with training it's got everything to do with uh, your nutrition it's got everything to do with business whatever it might be because it has a huge effect on your like just how you feel like how you mentally feel is going to dictate your actions if you're constantly miserable mm-hmm. you're not gonna no. you're not gonna achieve in anything or you're not gonna have the kind
1: of the enthusiasm and, and what you're saying earlier is like it sounds like which is great and it's really kind of a it's a very inspirational thing that you're talking about you being honest with yourself is what makes you happy like that that to me is just very kind of a it's very noble and um, but like some people they don't they look so sh- short term in terms of what makes them happy in the short term opposed to even the medium to long term so for example if I'm trying to tell a client, listen, you got to cut cut alcohol for, So if they got something big and they're like, I really, I'm not happy with my body. I really want to change. I'm like, okay, well, if that's, if you're not happy right with your body, we need to change, change to the point where you are happy with your body. But they're like, but I can't give up going out every Friday night. And I'm going, right. The happiness you get from going on the piss on a Friday night. If we were to knock that for 10 weeks, there'd be 10 Fridays where you're not happy. I'm doing big inverted commas here. Think how happy you're going to be in twelve weeks' time when you've lost a lot of weight or you're close to where you want to be. People get so tied up in immediate gratification and and that that immediate oh, this makes me happy. They don't think. They can't think twelve weeks down the line. They're right. so so short-term focused. Whereas you're looking at your whole life there, you just said I can go to the grave happy, mm. which is a long, long time away, hopefully. Um Knowing that you've lived an honest life and that's what makes you happy. If people get into thinking a bit more long term, what, what will actually make me happier with my lifestyle or my business or my body or my mind? If they can start thinking a bit more medium to long term, I think they'll be a lot happier in the short term as well.
0: Yeah, I, yeah exactly. Yeah, you got to kind of, coming back to points we've already delved into, you just have to be so honest with yourself, you know? And, you know, if I'm honest with myself, like I, I'm not getting a lot of happiness from going on the piss. I'm getting like a pretty, uh, um, uh, yeah, instant gratification from it or whatever, but like, you know, the longer term or, you know, the, you know, the, the bigger picture is, is much more important than like a night out or whatever, you know, that you're going to forget in a week. Like, you know.
1: You know. <laughs> or even sooner in some cases yeah, uh, yeah. you talked about something just before we move on to we've got a an interesting little quiz for you at the end of the uh, the episode right. but um, like your charity work is that something that provides you with a lot of happiness in your life as well is it was a big motivating factor for these challenges or is it just something that kind of ties in with them
0: um, neither really it's kind of like it's, it's
1: making me look bad there no sorry <laughs> sorry
0: I'm, I'm thinking out loud yeah. here a little bit but like what I'm it's it was something I always wanted to kind of delve into um, because it's just there's, there's so like I'm so privileged I suppose in the position you know the country I was born into the family I was born into um, and not everybody is in such a um, position so I was like you know you can do these kind of amazing adventures but like it can't just be for you as as important as they are to me there has to be more to it you know what I mean and it's a great Space to be able to kind of delve into and, um, you know, help other people while you're at it. So, um, yeah, when I was, I was kind of inspired by a lot of guys in Leinster actually when I played there, you know, like Shane Jennings and who do like amazing work in the community very selflessly and very quietly, you know, in the background. So I was like, that's something I really want to do. And of course, I always knew I was going to go down these adventures, uh, when I finished. So I was like, Perfect opportunity to, um, you know, make it more um, kind of about uh, a group rather than just been about yourself, you know. Because, you know, as important as they are to me, you know, there's 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 more to it than that. So, yeah. um, with the MDS, I just did kind of a lot of online kind of um, fundraising, and then as with in life, I wanted to uh, do more and expand and evolve. So, in the last kind of year, I did some events and you know there's um, there's part of me that was like that those things were harder than the fucking row man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know because you're putting yourself out there and you're almost kind of you're leading something and it's uh, the
1: expectation increases on you there's pressure from angles there's pressure you yeah. don't want to even completely leading new, like
0: you know you're trying to sell events and it was it quite um, it was quite difficult I must say at times mentally you know it's quite, I found it very challenging but um mm-hmm as with Enten, that's very challenging when you come out the other side, there's a huge amount of reward from it, you know, and, uh, yeah, when you're, when you're actually um, helping people or helping organizations, I think, yeah, there's a great value in that, so, um, I kind of, I'm in a place now where I kind of want to be more, um, it's all well and good, kind of raising the money, but I want to be more kind of hands-on in these, um, in these organizations or if I can in any way, you know, so, heading out to Rwanda in May um to build a school hopefully in the Strong Roots Foundation which is one of my charities this year so yeah like I think there'll be even more kind of reward when you're actually there and you're on the ground so to speak just I don't I can't do anything but I'll lift a few bricks I don't know (laughs) I'll, I'll do something but yeah you know uh help them out in some way but um yeah, get just get. it. You can pump water, there. hop
1: on an erg and pump
0: water. Yeah, in, yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> nah,
1: fair play. That's all. And Mo we will drop we'll a few links in the show notes as well for people for any. They can keep an eye on your website and stuff that you have coming up. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to do, we're going to jump into. We do a. a obviously you want to go meet your mates and you've got those things to do, so we won't hold you much longer. Oh. But uh, oh, we do. We do a fitness forfeit quiz uh, with all the guests we have on. We couldn't do that with Johnny because he was in the middle of Six Nations. So this is kind of Rudd's has gone all out with this. He, he came up with it. Uh, probably the last thing you want to do is see see a, a skier or a rower. <laughs> Stage, but uh, with your own training, actually, when are you get back into training? Uh, no, basically, Brilliant.
0: yeah, I was just take that period maybe kind of what was it six weeks now since I finished the row. So, okay. Yeah, well, it's about well, time I, now because I've just been eating my way around the Caribbean, basically. This will be, Well, you had a lot of weight to put back on. 28 kilos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- this is exactly what you need, so,
1: because you talked about a 2K row and how it looks into your soul. So, the mm. uh, challenge for the loser of the fitness forfeit is a 2K roll for time. You've got to mm. pop it up on your Instagram. Right? Let everyone know it's the kickstart. It would probably be Rhodes is going to lose this, anyway, to be honest, because the topic is... I put it in your field, that. I... Yeah, yeah, this is the thing. We usually kind of favor the uh, the guest a little bit. So, what we got, your a self-proclaimed adventurer, explorer, Um, what we're looking at is... Uncomfortably. (laughs)
0: Uncomfortably. It doesn't sit well, but go
1: on. Uh, What we've got, general knowledge quiz, uh, geography. Okay. 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 Um, So what we're looking at, we're going to ask, David, you go first. Uh, First to get uh, best of of three. So two questions right, you win. If it's draw, if you won't get two right, sudden death, buzz in. So just to clarify, 2K row, four time on the line, pop it up on the gram. Let everyone know you get on. Uh, or oh, we could race each other, Ruds. You could try to take one of your records back. Uh, okay, right. So, Damien, uh, what are the names of the two longest rivers in the world? Two longest rivers. The Nile and the Amazon. Oh, one. Oh, I'm <laughs> in trouble. <Sorry. laughs> uh, oh, Ruds, I don't even... Okay. Uh, Let's do this. Okay, what is the capital of New Zealand? Christchurch. Oh! No. Uh, no. Let Damien answer, but you won't Wellington. get a point. Well, no, it's easy. Come on. <sighs> Okay, Um Damien. What animal lives in a lodge? Beaver. Oh my god, that's two. We're gonna go first to three rods. Just yeah, give me give me a, a, give chance, me a chance. Yeah, uh, right. I actually roads <laughs> Which planet is closest to Earth? Oh, back to my school days. Now, uh, what, what
2: was that? <laughs> there was a like a
1: something you won't remember. Can't say the moon. <laughs> no. The
2: moon? Mercury?
1: Venus. Okay, right. So for, for the win, Damien. Um, okay. Okay. In which country would you find the port of Alexandria? Region. Oh my God! Three uh, nil, Rods. You are <laughs> so easy. I should have done some more homework last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. fantastic, David. Up say Thanks a million. Obviously, only I didn't realize he actually only landed yesterday. So we've been kind of uh, really excited about having you on for, yeah. for months. And I think there's some incredible things in that for people' mindset, just general things that they can take into their whole life. We really appreciate it. Delighted. I've
0: voiding a two K role, man. To be honest, <laughs> it takes me about a year to build up to a two K role. I like. I find them so mentally taxing. So I'm absolutely. Over the <laughs> Fantastic. I can look forward to watching Rudd's. Yeah. Rudz post
1: up a video, a time lapse of something. Yeah, glad I can make your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. damn it. Yeah. Thanks a for coming in. Best and luck Six and a half minutes it. of absolute hell. Yeah, blood. misery. Best luck with that. Uh, <laughs> th- thanks a million again David Best luck for everything you have coming
0: on over the next few months. Thanks a lot, yeah. I no, appreciate it. Thanks for having me, lads. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs>